Inquirers, and welcome to the expanse of deep open-minded conversation. I'm the one they call Shane, and in today's discussion, we dive into the struggle of becoming a truth seeker when no one around you understands, something we've all dealt with as we've plummeted into the rabbit hole of waking up to the real reality we all coincide in. But if you're just beginning your journey, fear not, for today's guest has written the survival guide on how to be a conspiracy theorist. But before we can get into all that today course have some news and updates and gotta do the front of house but first and foremost news and updates the show is officially in the 2.5 percent globally ranked and that's thanks to all you listeners out there really appreciate you guys uh supporting the show through everything that you guys do and if you guys want to keep bumping up the show to make it so we can eventually make it to the top one percent uh keep leaving those reviews and ratings greatly appreciate that and keep sharing the show with a friend that's an awesome way to do it but you know if you guys don't want to do any of that i still appreciate you guys being here to begin with because you guys are the reason that i do the show and uh, another cool announcement, um, I am officially teaming up with I Know Squatch, two awesome guys over there, Rick and Hans. Uh, I'm going to start talking about them a little bit here and there on the show, of course, but they got a lot of awesome, awesome Squatch merchandise. So if that sounds like something you guys might be interested in, definitely highly recommend going and checking out their Etsy store. Uh, you can also check them out on Instagram, of course. They got a lot of really cool stuff over there. Uh, they're always posting their different Squatch adventures. And of course, they're posting their awesome Squatch merch, which the hat that I always wear, if you guys ever see pictures of me that says Whoop on it, that's uh, one of their designs, of course. And uh, speaking of Sasquatch, if you guys haven't already checked it out, I do have a 10% off promo code working from now until the end of December for the OMM merch store. It is Squatchmas. You guys can use that for 10% off, like I said. And I got into a lot of new designs that I added over there, so definitely worth going and checking out. And uh, moving to the front of house, of course, if you guys aren't already following the show on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or Discord, highly recommend that you do. If you guys want to interact with me, the best one to do so on is Instagram, or you guys can hop into the Discord, always trying to build that up, and I want to have a bunch of you guys in there to build a community, but you know, I'm going to need you guys in order to build a community. So uh, definitely go and uh, join that, have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, and uh, while you're at it, of course, if you want to uh, share some stuff to get people to be involved with the show, you guys can always go to TikTok, share the clips of the show. Awesome way to get people involved where they actually want to watch and listen to the whole episodes uh, through, through short little clips. You know, like I said, it gets people interested. So definitely worth going and checking out. If anyone's interested in being a guest on the show or possibly having me as a guest on your show or sponsoring the show in some way, shape or form, you guys can get a hold of me through email or you guys can get a hold of me on social media, Instagram or Facebook, of course. 
And if you guys want to report an encounter, I have a specific email for that. You guys can email your encounters, no matter how big or small. I definitely want to hear them to OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. There is also a submission form for that in the link tree. So that's another way you guys can go about doing it. But, uh, you know, like I said, whether it's big or small, um, if you, you guys are okay with me sharing it on the show, or if you guys just want to talk about it with me personally and you don't want me to share it on the show, or, you know, if you're within an area that I can travel to, I can come and investigate it. Would absolutely love to do all that, but that'll never happen unless you guys start sharing your encounters. And uh, speaking of encounters, if you guys enjoyed this show, definitely uh, recommend going and checking out Bizarre Encounters. Always a good time with Oren over there as we deep dive into a bunch of different weird topics, including uh, cryptids, paranormal, UFOs, aliens, all that fun stuff. A lot of cool stuff going on over there. Uh, We got a lot of show notes that we've been building up, so there's going to be a lot of awesome shows coming as far as that goes. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do, you guys can always go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. And of course, the YouTube, TikTok, Discord, all that is under Open Minds Media because it's just easier for me to keep everything all under one hood. And if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so. Number one, of course, because I'm trying to build that up as much as possible, is through the Patreon. Over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes of the show, early access to the show, lives of the show, live replays of the show, uh, exclusive giveaways, exclusive merch store discounts, uh, exclusive shows, because Bizarre Inquiries is going to be posting over there soon. Uh, the first two episodes, of course, like I said, dropping on the normal feed, but past that, that is going to become a Patreon exclusive show. So if you guys want to get access to that, definitely go and check out the tiers, see which one might suit you the best. I do have a seven-day free trial for, uh, I think, the $5 tier. So if you guys want to at least go see what it's all about, you guys can go and do that now. I made that an option for you guys. Or you guys can always donate to the show directly if you guys want to, to make it so I can get out to more events and be able to meet more of you guys through uh, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store. Got a lot of cool designs I've been uploading over there. Got the Mary uh, Squatchmas design that I uploaded that's I'm probably only going to be available through the end of the holiday season. Maybe I'll bring it back next year. We'll have to see, but definitely worth going and scooping if that sounds like something you guys might be interested in. And like I said, awesome way to support the show and get the word out. And number four, of course, you guys can always leave a review or a rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcatcher you have. And of course, share the show with everybody that you know, because if you think anybody might be interested in the show, just share with them. Just drop a line, send a clip, whatever you got to do. Get people involved with the show, make it so the show can continue to keep growing. And speaking of growing, of course, got to give a shout out to a couple of my uh, other friends in the community. Joe over there killing it with crypto theology with some of the coolest crypto designs that I've ever seen. He's got a bunch of new Christmas designs he's been dropping, so I think you guys will really enjoy those. Definitely worth going and checking out. And uh, to all my paranormal investigators out there, if you want to get an all-in-one paranormal investigating device, definitely highly recommend going and checking out the Chattergeist. Uh, Barry over there at Dimension Devices, he programmed it himself. So if any of you guys have any technical questions whatsoever about the thing, you guys can hit him up on Instagram. He replies in a timely manner. And of course, if you decide you want to scoop one for yourself, don't forget to use my affiliate link. goes and helps out the show greatly. Everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, truther and author, John Kerwin. How's it going today, man? Excellent. Man, I'm so glad to be with you finally. I know we've been trying to get together and it's really something I've been looking forward to. I love your content. Thank you. I was going to say, I think you were one of the first people that actually contacted me first. Usually it's, you know, the podcast host ends up messaging other people, but I always, it's always an absolute pleasure when I get 
get their same response back. I, I get excited about it because at least I know that that person kind of has like a premise of what my show is, what it's all about, instead of me trying to have to explain it to them. So it's always fun. So absolute pleasure to have you on. Good, good. Yeah. Inquiries of our reality. Yes, sir. I feel like it's a very fitting name because it covers a wide array of topics. Yeah, and your podcast description is is very appropriate, you know, for my journey, which is how can we understand if we don't ask questions? That's pretty much the definition of the truther. And it's kind of funny too, because the whole reason that that sparked up, like it was just something that came to came to me one day, and I had to write it down because it was just a perfect uh, combination of words. But when I grew up, I was always that kid that asked too many questions. My parents would always tell me to stop asking so many questions. So as an adult, I continued asking questions. But rather than asking questions to everybody around me, I just started researching my own things. And I just it, it kind of came to me and I figured, felt like it was it was perfect. So honestly, it was just everything kind of fell into place and it just worked out perfect. And actually, weirdly enough, I do have that phrasing on the back of my business cards because I feel like that's it's nice. perfect. It just gets right to the point and leaves it at that. <laughs> So uh, I guess a good place to start, uh, for anybody that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, uh, why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your work? Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I've been a content creator now for about seven years, mostly covering the Mandela effect and the fact that it, it actually includes the Bible, the things that are changing in our realm. Uh, so I come from a biblical worldview and a ministry background, uh, been you know, in ministry, in the church, as a youth pastor and a worship leader for a bunch of years. And, you know, this truther journey, it's a lot of us kind of are on the same path. It's pretty bumpy. You know, we start finding out that we live in the Truman Show, but unfortunately, the majority of those of us around us, like spouse, children, friends, uh, they don't know and they don't want to know. That's the really central characteristic of a of a normie or an unconvinced person which is why your title is so appropriate how can we understand if we don't ask questions that's what defines the truther it's that day that you find out the moon landing is fake or 9-11 and then you go like this well if that's not true what else isn't true <laughs> that's the that's the birthplace of the truther where you begin to give yourself permission to question officialdom that's when you start turning over rocks, and then you find that there's stuff under every rock, man. And once you start going down one rabbit hole, it leads to another rabbit hole, and then another rabbit hole. And it all just starts with one thing. And at least for me, um, you know, I was in first grade uh, when 9-11 happened. And so that was like my first kind of thing that I really started questioning just because I had all the memories of all of it happening. I remember, you know, seeing everything all over TV. And uh, as soon as I started getting into like my teenage years, that's when I really started really getting into questioning everything around me. And uh, I feel like that was my first big conspiracy that I really started digging into. And I've gotten to the point with that where I feel like most people, honestly, that start researching into 9-11. As soon as you really start figuring out about it, you quickly realize that none of it makes sense. And once you see it from that perspective, it's hard to go back. And you see the same right. thing happen with even like the recent pandemic, that once you understand the other viewpoint, there's no way of going back. And you just don't really understand how people aren't able to see things that are happening right in front of them. And maybe it's just a matter of most people just aren't that observant or they're just comfortable living the lives that they're living in. 
Uh, but for me, at least, like I'm not comfortable living in that life. I have to ask questions. I have to figure things out for myself. And if we don't have the option to do that and people are just going to blindly follow things, then you'll never figure out why we do things, which is one of the hardest things in life, I feel, is that a lot of people understand the process on doing something, but they don't understand the real reason on why you're doing it. And that's kind of the paradigm that a lot of people live in is that they just follow rules without knowing the reason why those rules exist in the first place. And it's just a hard paradigm for a lot of people to break. But once you go on to the other side, there's no going back. Yeah. Once you see, you can't unsee. And the more you see, the more you see, like the filters keep coming off more and more. And you also sort of get a sense of urgency because a lot of the stuff that we find out is not good news. And so then a, a sense of self-preservation starts to kick in and a sense of destiny. You know, if somebody's punching you in the face, you either block, you fight back, or you run. You don't just stand there. That's what the normies are doing. They're just like, whistling past the graveyard. It's like, I call it the happy life. You know, they don't want to know this stuff. They don't look under the hood. They're like the British guards that look forward and you go up to them and you go, hey, try to get them to blink and they won't look at you. <laughs> That's what normies are like. Yep. Because they're like, and by the way, normies is a term that they gave themselves. It's not really derogatory. Uh, one day my daughter said, dad, I wish you were normal. Well, that's that they named themselves that. So, See, uh, unfortunately for you, you kind of got stuck in the aspect where everybody around you didn't really seem to be on your wavelength. Luckily, it's kind of funny. I actually homeschool my daughter because of just knowing the stuff that they teach kids in school. And I want to be able to put my two cents in on it. And one thing that I really noticed heavily with school is that it's definitely it's pushing a narrative 100% because at least I remember back when I was in school before all of the woke movement really started happening that you started history from like the American history standpoint where you started off with with colonial America and then you moved your way up through. I thought it was really funny how my daughter is now in second grade and the first three years, kindergarten, first grade and second grade, beginning of second grade, uh, they were only adamantly talking about all of the wrong things that white people have done to African-American people. So that was all Martin Luther King, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, talking about slavery, and then it just now finally got into colonial America. And I, it it got on my nerves for the aspect of, like, I understand the history, don't get me wrong, but I feel like history should be taught in chronicle order. Like, it, it, it should be taught from the starting point moving on. Besides, you know, going into, like, the ancient ancient civilizations, of course, because that's something that you kind of need like a background for before you get really into. But if you're starting these kids off, just learning about all of the wrong things that their race has done and keeping them into this woke narrative, then they're going to grow up never really feeling, they're going to always feel like they're the enemy. And that's what it seems like is happening with a lot of this stuff in school. Because even when she was in kindergarten, um, I remember I walked up to the computer one day and they're talking about pride parades. And I'm like, this is a kindergartner. Like sexuality isn't even a thing to kindergartners. Like, why are you so adamant about pushing this woke narrative all the way, all the way back to kindergarten? Like maybe when they get a little bit older and they kind of have like an understanding of the world around them, then whatever, start maybe teaching them just about the different diversity within people. But that's not as good starting point. Like they're already pushing this narrative right from the beginning. And this kind of stuff drives me crazy. Like I could never put my daughter into public school because then it's eight hours of some random woke teacher teaching her whatever she wants to teach her. And then they throw in the whole thing where once they start kind of 
leaving stuff in their heads, they start saying, oh, we don't have to tell your parents. We can do this. We can do that. And that's another thing that gets on my nerves is the fact that it's like, why do you want to push parents out of teaching their own kids? Like, even if you go to like parent teacher conferences or you go to uh, the PTO meetings, you know, if you have an opinion, they have an issue with that and they don't want to hear it. And then they start looking at you like you're a bad parent for having an opinion on your kid, which does, it's a totally different paradigm from even when I was a kid because they wanted parents to be involved. And now the schooling system doesn't want parents involved. They want to strictly keep them to their narrative and keep them off in their own camp and separate them from the parents, which is 100% like a Maoist idea to begin with. Yeah. Sorry, I went off on a little rant there. It's something I've kind of been holding in the <laughs> forefront of my head for a little while, waiting for the right person to talk about with it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I hear you. Yeah, they're coming for the kids, 100%. But uh, yeah, I mean, even with that, though, um, it, I, I can't imagine just from like your standpoint, like your daughter calling you saying, why can't you be normal? I, I mean, I'd see it from the viewpoint of like, you know, why, why, why don't you want to understand the world around you? Like, I'm sure that's a very difficult thing. And I'm sure that's 100% what ended up leading into your book, which, you know, for a lot of people out there uh, that may be living in that same, in the same kind of, kind of thing that you're living in, as far as like everybody around you, not necessarily understanding your viewpoint. Um, why, why don't you let them know a little bit about your book? Cause I, mean, I feel like that your book might help a lot, out a lot of the people out there that are just listening to this and feeling alone. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I've got, I'm, I'm coming close to almost 6,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel, <clears throat> which is wake up or else one word. And I interacted with so many people that had the same experience that I did where they found, they started finding out things that aren't sanctioned by officialdom like nine 11, Flat Earth, Mandela, underground bases, Dracos, chemtrails, you know, moon landing, NASA's all fake, whatever, whatever those things are. And then, uh, you know, for about three or four years, I'm like discovering this stuff and it just got worse and worse. So finally, you know, I talk about in chapter six of the book, <clears throat> the three stages of rejection as a truther first First, they just try to make keep it light. You know, they'll say, well, I don't go in for conspiracy theories much. But that's a shaming term. It's a character assassination term, conspiracy theorist. It means you're a kook. Your types of derogatory things are designed to shut you up. They're, they're designed to shame you into silence. But if you persist, like I did, after about six months or a year, then those around you, your spouse, children, they start to escalate because they realize you really believe this stuff and they don't want to know it because it disrupts their happy life. So they start managing you. So you'll start to be told things like, hey, when we go to my parents' house, I only want you to talk about your crazy things for three minutes and you know stuff like that. And then, But if you continue to talk about it after a couple of years, then that's when they go to level three and you get ultimatums. I was told by two of my kids, if you talk about crazy things, I can't have a relationship with you. And my wife also. And my wife ended up divorcing me after 24 years of marriage. She said, I don't want to be married to you. We're in two different worlds, which is true. However, what I found on my channel was that experience was not necessarily getting divorced, but a giant chasm forming between spouses, children's friends was totally universal. Now, some people have it better than others. Spouses could, could be a, a truther like you, and that's very rare. 
two truthers in a marriage is rare from my experience. The other option is the, the other spouse is a normie, but they have grace. So they allow you your, your little obsession, but they're not going to pull the ripcord on the marriage. But there's a, jazz, a chasm between you. It's terrible. It's vacuous. Very difficult to coexist, but they work it out. Most, in my experience, get divorced. Like the Vax totally broke up millions of people's families. And, you know, I, I've seen it one thing. They found out the moon landing was fake and that destroyed their marriage. I hear it all the time. I've probably interacted with close to 200 people in the last seven years, personal correspondence that have been divorced by their spouse or kids don't talk to them anymore. So that's what the book is about. The book is called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. <laughs> it's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. <laughs> Say, that's uh, definitely something that's needed because I don't feel like there's a lot of people necessarily writing on that topic, and it's it, it's a really hard thing to undergo. I mean, I've definitely, I have, I've lucked out a lot with most of my family as far as like my close personal family really getting it, but I still have people in my family that are on the other side of it that are the normies. Uh, like my dad is a primary example. During the whole pandemic, um, we pretty much didn't have any contact or really talk to each other because he was adamantly about wearing the masks, getting the vaccines, and I was trying to explain to him like the truth behind it and you know the Pfizer documents coming out perfectly placed when they did um kind of hidden behind I think it was either the Grammys or the Oscars that were happening at the same time and they just kind of kind of slid it in underneath so people aren't really necessarily paying attention to it but uh, I definitely have a lot of back and forth uh with my dad as far as like I know not to really say much around him because otherwise it's just going to cause issues but he's so wrapped up in uh, like the pharmaceutical industry that it's it's hard to talk to him about certain things. So I just try to avoid the topic altogether. But I guess it's it's a pretty unavoidable thing to do, especially with with a spouse. I mean, you, you could always try to find your like mediums such as, you know, starting a podcast or writing a book um, to be able to talk about it with certain people and pick time and place. But when you get that personal, when it's in your house, it's kind of hard not to portray your ideas, um, especially when there's something as just during the, during the pandemic, like that, that's a primary example. Um, because it's, if you care about the people around you and you have an understanding of what the vaccine was in the first place, you don't want that anywhere near them because you love them and you care about them. So if they're on the opposite side of that, it's really, really hard to watch them do that and think that they're doing something right when you understand what the true modem is or, uh, what the true idea is behind it. Right. Uh, and I understand the concept. You don't have to jam stuff down people's throats. But when you're the spouse, you're the husband, the leader of the family, and the and the father of the children, and your worldview is is being censored. You're being told, I don't want you to talk about anything negative or controversial. So I said, fine. For For the last two years we were together, I was what I call happy dad. All I did was talk about hair, nails, fun, fun seasons in the sun, you know, superhero movies, going bowling, play dates, vacations, how's it going, boys, what, nothing. I'm in touch on God a little bit, but, you know, basically I, was, I became a pariah, even though I wasn't saying anything. Like I would just go to the dinner table and just sit there and eat. It's like, you don't want, you don't want me to guide you into this future? Fine. You know, but now... Now it's raining red pills. Now their worldview is crumbling into ours. And 2024, 
I believe is going to be a year when we're vindicated. But let me just share one thing that really was one of the great revelations in my research. When my daughter told me, Dad, I wish you were normal, I went and looked up what normal means in the dictionary. Because oh, I was like, what does that mean to her? I want you to be normal. What is normal? Well, normal, check this out, truther. Normal means conforming to a standard, usual, <laughs> typical, and expected. Ha, ha, ha. It's like the opposite of what we're like. But then I looked up conforming, and it's worse. It means complying with the rules. That means complying with officialdom. That means the decorum of the press corps. You know, you, you believe Fauci. You don't question. You get all teary-eyed when they bring in the new military recruits at the football game and they do the flyover. All, the, you know, all wars are banker wars to us now. Though We don't buy the narrative of the continual war machine. We don't buy the narrative of the military-industrial complex drumming up the next war we got to go to war with Ukraine. We got to go start another war in Israel now. All of this is the, the bankers make more money in one day of war than a, a year of peace. And we're fed up with being slow killed and enslaved. And the people around us don't lift a finger to look into what we're all worked up about. Instead, they circle the wagons and they start to give you personal attacks. They question your sanity. And they de demonize you and marginalize you and they push you out on the fringe where you belong. And it's hell on earth. I cry every day as a grown man because my kids don't respect me. They think dad's a, a weak-minded boob. This is what they think. Dad is a weak-minded boob who believed Photoshop tricks and then picked, picked those lies over them so they're offended and pissed off. And I can't reach them. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so that's you, Truther. I know I'm not. I'm not convincing any of your subscribers that this is happening to them. They're just mm -hmm. nodding their head and they're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I know what that's like." <laughs> I think almost all of us have heard the "Can you just be normal?" concept at least once. Yep. Like me growing up, from my dad, I'd hear that regularly, and that's why I kind of deterred off on my own path. Is because he just was always telling me, "Why can't you be like everybody else? Why can't you just do this? Why can't you look like everybody else? Why can't you do that?" And I've always seen an issue with that to begin with, even if you're not coming at it from like a conspiracy angle, like wouldn't you rather somebody be an individual and think for themselves regardless? Like I, I never got the whole like normal conform to society type of concept to begin with. And I mean, even, even with that whole thing, even with the whole like conforming to society anyways, like society is constantly shifting and changing. So what's normal now may not be normal in another five years, because look at <laughs> even the paradigm of where we're at now that, you know, five, 10 years ago, you know, there wasn't really the whole woke movement happening. So the standard of normal has completely changed from what it was 10 years ago with the whole idea about, you know, a man was a man, a woman was a woman. Now those lines are blurred. So again, just normal 10 years ago is completely different than the normal now. So that's constantly a bar that's continuously shifting. So how do they ever really expect anybody to be normal? At a certain point, you just have to sit back and start thinking for yourself. And if you don't, like, I, I don't really understand your method of thinking and how you can just be okay with basically just following the group and essentially just being a lemming. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, normal to them means don't be a buzzkill. Because think about it. A lot of the stuff we're trafficking in is bad news. And it's kind of a call to arms. A lot of truthers catch a sense of destiny. that They go from living on a party boat to living on a battleship. 
So we're like on a war footing all of a sudden. They're not. But we found out the world's run by Luciferian blood-drinking psycho-mobsters. And we don't, we don't take kindly to being slow-killed. I'm sorry. I get a little tiffy about that, right? So we go to war. It's like the guy that went to three, four tours in Iraq, and he watched people's heads get blown off right next to him. And now he comes back. And he loves his family, but his little 10-year-old daughter's having a balloon party with Bozo the Clown, and everybody's laughing. He's like in another world. He's like standing there, shell-shocked, trying to fit in. Can't fit in. He's a warrior. He's like in another realm. That's us. We're, we're totally ruined. That's why I started telling my wife. I said, honey, I got off the bus. I can't, I can't do life like we have been doing it. Yeah, there's it's just we, it's like the Truman Show. You watch the Truman Show with Jim Carrey. He finds out he lives in a TV studio. Imagine if he finds that out, and then he goes, "Well, what difference does it make? I still have to go to work, don't I?" And then he goes back to work the next day. That would be unthinkable. <laughs> it's like the whole Matrix concept of I know the steak isn't real, but I'm still going to enjoy it all the same. Yes. Like you have to trick right? yourself into thinking like that once you're aware of the paradigm that you're stuck in. <laughs> but you can relate to Cypher. I mean, I'm living a painful existence. I mean, I'm into a lot of personal development, so I'm going to be okay. But I lost my family, man. And, and, and you know, late in life, because I got married late. And my kids are, you know, are offended. So we're strained. It's terrible to be a truther sometimes. Persecution. And now they're ratcheting up the, the you know, how they're um, characterizing us from being just kooks to being dangerous. You know, so you're now associated with terrorism and white supremacy and domestic terrorists. So it's, you know, when they take us away, your family is not necessarily going to cry for you. They're going to be like, well, he had it coming. I was going to say they this purposely is, place serious. words like, uh, you know, domestic terrorist, for example. Like it's it's, per, it's they place that on purpose and they try to put those titles on people so that they make you look like the bad guy regardless. Like they're, they're yeah. always going to try to keep making you sound like you're as crazy as possible. Like I remember during during the heavier ass parts of the uh, the whole pandemic that anybody that was anti-vax as they would call it they were, they'd start doing these like smear campaigns on the news where they were like oh yeah anti-vaxxers are linked to childhood trauma and mental illness and this and that and it, it's just it's been a smear campaign i've been watching this since the beginning and i mean even the term conspiracy theorists like we were talking about a little bit earlier that was intended to be a smear campaign against anybody that didn't think that the jfk assassination was as it was as it was said it was that's right and I do a whole chapter. Chapter 12 is why truthers are willing to lose everything. This is kind of what we're talking about. Is You know, you come into this thing as a normie. I, I, my first thing was I found out the Federal Reserve wasn't federal. And I realized they're all lying. They'd all have to know it. And, and so if that's not true, what else isn't true? So that's what we all say. That's when we start going down the rabbit hole. But what happens in that moment of truth you see the ISS guys are on wires and you go, oh my gosh, they're lying. And, in t and your conscience, which God gives you to know right and wrong, that's like the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other, right? It tells you they're lying and that's wrong. Well, then that's as far as your conscience goes. Then your integrity steps in. Integrity is the morals you live by. And so you say, well, if they're lying, then I can't just keep clapping for NASA like a trained seal, I'm going to have to speak up. And so that's the moment 
when you either become a truther or you go back into darkness as a normie and you start, you know, justifying what difference does it make? I still have to go to work. Or they basically, they don't have any real arguments. They just attack you. They self-censor. They start attacking you and trying to shame you into silence. And then, you know, the war begins. But integrity, this is for you truthers, all right? Congratulations. God is proud of you. The reason you're a truther is because you have integrity. You chose the truth no matter where it took you. So you're right. They're wrong. We don't believe these things. We know they're true. It's the normie that doesn't want to know. They're not, they might have truth in certain areas, but when it comes to these topics, conspiracy theory topics, they do not want to know. Just out of curiosity, um, you said that obviously you come at things from like a biblical worldview. Uh, did your family come at things from a biblical worldview or do they not really believe in that kind of stuff? Oh, no, no. We were all simpatico on God and the Bible. We went to church. And, you know, like I said, I have a ministry background. So I was in full-time ministry as a youth pastor and worship leader um, for years, decades, 30 years. See, that's something that I find kind of weird almost is that people that are in that biblical worldview don't want to believe that there are officials that are lying to you because you, you get into the whole concept about, you know, Lucifer trying to whisper things in people's ears and try to try to get people to do bad things, essentially. I mean, that that's usually a good breakaway point where a lot of people really start getting into the truth movement is cut from coming from a biblical background. So I've just always found it weird that even within the biblical background, that there's a huge divide with that. There's the people that don't want to acknowledge all of the weird things that are happening around it. It's like people that believe in the Bible, but they don't want to believe in the spiritual side of the Bible. Or again, you believe in God, but you don't want to necessarily believe that there's lucifer out there trying to do bad things right. on top of it like you 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 got to see that there's a there's a good side and a bad side and once you start really digging into a lot of these people that are running our country you realize that they're all involved with occult rituals uh everything with mainstream music has some kind of demonic twist to it um like I, i'm just i'm surprised that somebody can come from that worldview and not see how much stuff is being manipulated right in front of your eyes like it, it's a really hard paradigm like you're, you're intentionally blocking yourself off from it at that point if you already believe in God, but you don't see all this weird stuff happening around you. Totally, totally, totally. Like, what you said is actually one of my subchapters. Satan actually runs the world is one of my subchapters. And it's saying to the Christian, and saying, you say you believe the Bible, but the Bible says that, the, that Satan is the God of this world. He really actually runs the world. Right? He, told, he told Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. Well, he must have them. And he literally interacts with the 13 families, the Pinyard and all these super mega rich Luciferian dudes. And, uh, you know, I call them unbelieving believers. They, they, have a, they have a profession of faith, but they don't really believe it. And the worst ones are the pastors. Pastors are the most normie of all normies because they have much more to lose. And they have this facade, this reputation of having it together and knowing all these things. But when you come to them, I'm telling you, I've interacted with directly 30 to 40 in the last seven years across the table. And I'm telling you, when it comes to these topics, they're, they, they're as dumb as a bag of hammers. I'm sorry, but they're, they're just mind-boggling. 
how out of touch they are and how little discernment they have. That's not even it. It's the unwillingness to wade into this. They have the same knee-jerk, triggered, visceral reactions that normies have, and it's, and it's shameful. Matthew 5 says, if you call your brother a fool, you're, you're worthy of going to hell. That's what Jesus said. And they'll trigger those terms faster than anybody. Oh, these conspiracy theories are a distraction. You need to focus on the gospel and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, how about this, Pastor? How about you went along with Fauci and you lined up all your congregants to go get the vax, and now you're burying them? You should have listened to us. We've been vindicated, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm worked up tonight because this is life and death, and we, were, we are right. We are right, and these people don't lift a finger to look into what we're trying to warn them about. No, not at all. And it, it's one of those things that it's like beating it. You, you try to beat it into them and you try to come at it from a bunch of different angles. I don't want to necessarily say beat it into them because you don't necessarily want to come at people aggressively when they have no idea of these concepts, but you just try to trickle stuff in and they just still don't see it. Like they completely intentionally blind themselves to it. And realistically, if you're coming at it from a biblical worldview, you know, I've heard this on a few different podcasts and I feel like it's, it's a really good metaphor that when you're in enemy territory, you're not going to, you don't want people to know you're there. You're not going to run around with bright colors, bells and whistles going, woo, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You know, if Lucifer yeah. is doing his job correctly, then you're going to have no idea that he's around you. And that's what the, what I'm seeing around me is that there's all of this Luciferian idea, ideas in theology, but yet everybody wants to turn a blind eye to it and pretend like they don't see it happening right in front of them, but it's incognito. But it, as soon as you're aware of it and see it, then it's, almost impossible for him to hide at that point. Like, because it's just, it's so blatantly obvious, but yet hidden to anybody that doesn't want to see it. And you're, you're putting yourself in that, in that box when you're purposely trying not to see this stuff, like just kind of bringing it back to just mainstream music in general. Like it's so full of occult practice, demonic ideas. Like I, 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 most of the time, I don't even listen to any type of like mainstream music. Like I listen to just some off independent artists because I can't, I can't get with any of the modern music because it's all just so heavily occult. It's not even funny. And you really break it down. And most of the concerts that people are going to at this point, they're all intended to be rituals. And it's blatantly obvious to the point where they're wearing like black hoods and they're walking out and they're singing certain songs. And I get everybody to start chanting the same words back and forth. And then you get into like vibrations and different types of frequencies. And a lot of people don't realize this. And I'm, I'm sure you, you're all over this stuff. But, you know, Lucifer was he made music when he walked like he was he was known for being associated with music so of course if he was going to find a way to manipulate people it was going to be through music and on top of that coming again from a different scientific standpoint we know that frequencies alter people's moods and perceptions so when you start getting into what mainstream music represents like i've broken this down for a few people and they're like oh yeah i like rap it gets me hype it gets me this it gets me that and it's like all right so what's the root of being hype that you get angry, you want to bounce around, you want to bang stuff, like you get amped up. That's not a good thing. That you're actually, you may think that you're feeling happy, but you're not really feeling happy. You're feeling aggressive. That's what this music is causing you to do. But people are so blinded to it because they have these happy sounding beats with really, really dark lyrics, but sung in a bright and happy way. Like they're, they're clearly manipulating through people. And if people don't think that that's Lucifer at work, then you, again, you're just intentionally trying to stay blind at that point yep yep no question about it there's a lot there to uh to go on um 
But something else you mentioned made me think of the of the, I, the concept of normalcy bias, something we're all familiar with. But if you look it up, it actually means the tendency to minimize the danger. And isn't that how normies are? They're always trying to play down. We're like in warning mode. You know, truthers are, are their heads on a swivel. You know, we're, we're sensing danger. We have a sense of self-preservation. We're trying to... You know, we have these meetings here to try to figure out how the matrix is bamboozling us because, you know, we, fi- we feel like if we can understand what the matrix is doing, then we can maybe, you know, save ourselves because they're trying to kill us. But, but the normie is trying to preserve their happy life. So when you start coming at them with these things, they look at you like a buzzkill, Okay. They look at you like you've fallen in with a bad crowd. You've gone rogue. Uh, you know, you're just, you know, like Debbie Downer on SNL. They don't want to hear what you have to say. And so you have all this urgency because you care. And it is important. But they're trying to sell you, to what difference does it make? I still got to work. The only way you could say that is if you don't believe it. Find out the 9-11 and these things are real and you can't say it doesn't matter, right? So we're our hands are tied. And this is what the book is all about. It's how do you then keep your marriage, your, your friendships, and your children in your life? Because basically what you're told is you have to pretend that you believe like they do by being silent for the rest of your life if you want to be in their life. That's That's the mandate. Well, that sucks. That's total compromise i mean if you're find out these things are real you can't just not say anything so but you have to you're not given a choice (laughs) especially if it's people that you love and care about it's it's impossible to keep that in especially when it's such such an urgent message to especially during the pandemic that was that was a super urgent message where everybody in my family i was trying to explain it to and the only people that i convinced was my immediate family so like my my girlfriend and my, my kids, but everybody else in the family still ended up getting the vaccine. So it was like, I, I, I try, I tried my best, but I care and love about the, I love these people. But if they're going to continue on living in their own bubble, then it's like, there's only so much you can really do to help them. And at a certain point, it's like, you just kind of have to start protecting yourself and then kind of just portraying the message to the people that are willing to hear it. And it's a hard transition from that when you first become a truther and wanting to tell everybody to realizing that you you kind of have to realize who might be the people that actually might be interested in it. And you kind of have to, you have to, you have to just leave little sprinkles of stuff here and there to kind of see if people will pick up on it. Like that's kind of what usually what I do is kind of, it's kind of like a test that when I like interact with new people to kind of figure out where they sit, or if I see somebody that I really care about and I want to try to like change their perception of things. You kind of just have to trickle little things here and there. And everybody has like a starting point. And to all the other conspiracy theorists out there, obviously, well, I don't even want to use the term conspiracy theorists, but truthers out there. Um, when people start going down a path, even if you have dividing views on that path, such as a prime example would be like globe earth versus flat earth. Um, you kind of have, no matter which camp you sit in, you can't, you know, crap on somebody for their beliefs when they're first coming into it. You kind of have to let them discover it and figure it out for themselves. And at the root of that, at least as far as that whole topic goes, point the fingers at NASA, 
because like you were talking about earlier, there, there's definitely something up. And whether you believe in a globe or you believe in flat Earth, there's something weird to NASA to begin with. The moon landing, there's a lot of weirdness based around that, down to the hints of like Stanley Kubrick leaving like little st- subtle hints uh, within his other movies about him faking the lunar landing. And when it comes to NASA, even just watching the NASA live feed, to anybody that doesn't believe that there's something weird up in space, prime example, watch the women's hair. If they were in space, it would shift and move like they were in water. It's always stuck straight up in one position. And I used to regularly watch the NASA live feed. And if you watch it a good every like 15 minutes or so, it'll just cut out for a couple minutes. And right before they're about to do one of the broadcasts, they specifically only show one area. And if you pay attention to objects in the room, there's some stuff that doesn't make sense. Like they'll try to, you know, show how something floats. While at the same time that's happening, you look in the background and there's a pen sitting on the table. (laughs) Like once you start paying attention, you can't unsee it. That's right. I just did a, a live stream a couple of days ago, and I reviewed one of Elon Musk's uh, rocket launches, and it was so fake. I believe they were making it look fake on purpose. I mean, it looked like the remember the original Flash Gordon movies? <laughs> yeah, where they had these little rockets on a string, and there's like a sparkler coming out the back. <laughs> That's what they showed us, and and I believe that they do this on purpose as part of the incantation, like a pinch of a dead man's grave and a pinch of bat wing. Okay. So they're, they're putting these things in front of us and they're making it so obviously fake that if, if you are willing to watch that and accept it, then that gives the demons. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Permission to, like, put a mind-binding spirit on you where you're then you go into like this state because it's the only thing it's like they're under a bewitchment you can't explain it because you could show them that video and they won't accept the fact that all of the system could be lying it's just so many people how could they all no that's not proof that it's not happening what's proof is what i just showed you let's go back to what you just saw do you believe what you're told or do you believe what you see with your eyes It's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, even kind of diving into the whole Elon Musk thing, um, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that if there is an Antichrist, more than likely it's probably that guy. And he has to play it off, even with the aspect of, like, who else would be able to tell people, oh, put this chip in your neck. It's going to be totally okay. And right? diving into just even the occult aspect of it, like you were saying, where you got to, like, kind of wiggle something in front of somebody's face, there's the whole occult principle that in order for a ritual for a spell to work you have to let the other person be aware that it's happening but you make it subliminal in the way that you tell those people like a prime example is all of the whole thing about trafficking children and adrenochrome it's all over the place but yet nothing's ever being done about it you see it referenced constantly in movies you see it referenced constantly in music uh you you see all these reports of all these kids that are going missing from Haiti, but yet everybody just ignores it and pretends like it's not happening. 
And that's one of the most serious problems I feel in our society, more so than anything, is protecting the children and protecting innocence. And they're corrupting innocence, and they're making it so that, you know, people are just turning a blind eye to this while you're, while their kids are getting snatched behind them and turned into adrenochrome. And, I mean, even just, it, it's so blatantly obvious in front of people that people will go on, like, talk shows, and they'll talk about, oh, I'm using this new beauty product, and, uh, you know, they make it out of, um, you know, recycled fetuses. Like, they just try to, they try to make it seem they're saying it but not directly saying what they're doing in order to to maintain those means and it's just it drives me insane yeah. that that can be so prevalent in front of everybody but yet they don't want to look at it even like the whole that movie that came out recently um i forgot it was called um the, the the movie that they recently did came out about sex trafficking um where there was all the weird stuff happening in the theater like the power was going out this that and then all of a sudden the, the director of it is accused of you know, doing the same thing that he was talking out about. And that's a prime example of what I'm of just trying to cover all this stuff up because what, not a better thing to pin on somebody to make society hate them, but at the same time, kind of just ignore them and turn a blind eye because they want to pretend like it's not happening. Yeah. Yep. It's really, it's really true. They use lawfare to shut people down. The whistleblower that just came out in New Zealand, the whole country was run by one guy as far as their VAX program because they had a, high, a lot of good tech, and it's a small country. So there was one guy responsible for um, managing the entire vaccine program for the whole country. Well, it turns out he has a conscience, and he did the research, and he was able to look at all of the different lots of the vaccines. Then he showed he knew exactly how many people out of each lot took that shot from that lot, and then he had the data that only the country would have. How many of those people died within six months? Guess how many? Guess uh, what the percentage was? I'm going to guess. It, it's got to be like a, above 50. So I'm guessing not to guess too high, no, but maybe it was, like. It, after six months, it was about 20%. 20%. I was going to well, guess like maybe like 55. Example, the, well, it will be that much. The, the uh, average is less than 1%. So this is so off the charts. Like, to give you an example, the death rate for World War II spiked 3% in the world or in the, in the country. So this is 20%. However, all of the virologists, the experts say that the death rate is over really a three-year period, three to four years. You'll see the maximum death rate probably close to 50-plus percent. And then the rest of them, are disabled. They'll be on blood thinners. They'll be crawling around trying to get through the day. So there's about 3 billion people that have taken the vax according to different studies. The so mind, 3 billion people. The mind blowing part about the vaccine in the first place is that they straight up tell you that it's not going to, it's going to make the symptoms not so bad, but you can, you're still going to be able to get COVID. So it's like, if you're still going to be able to get COVID, then what's the point of even getting it in the first place? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me either. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. And just wanted to mention one other thing going back to Elon is that uh, Werner von Braun was a guy that loved rockets, but they're expensive. So he ended up moving up the ladder and he finally was able to join the Nazi party because Hitler wanted to create rockets to fight, to win the war. And so he funded this guy's rockets dreams. And well, then Nuremberg came and they actually hung, you know, 10 or 15 guys, but there was like 50 more that they brought over here. 
uh, under Project Paperclip, and Werner von Braun was one of these Nazi scientists, and of course he was appointed as the head of NASA to basically set up to you know deceive the entire world about space and the shape of the Earth. Well, Werner wrote a book in like 1967, and it's called Mission to Mars, and the and it's about a a group of astronauts that go to Mars and, and guess what the name of the guy in the book, it's on page 174 that runs the program going to Mars. Elon, right? Elon is correct. <laughs> Alright, and now Elon is all about all about going to Mars and, and, the, and the whole thing is fake. I mean, if you watch that video, you can find it. Go to TikTok, put in Elon Musk rocket launch or YouTube, whatever. You'll find it, and when you watch this, you'll be you'll be like, "You've got to be kidding me!" The thing goes up; it looks like a balloon, and all the cuts are just totally fake. And then it comes down, and it supposedly is able to land again, like in Flash Gordon or whatever. Unbelievably fake. So, so that means that our whole society and the construct is a show, and we're just watching this these masters of illusion, you know, just control everything across the board. And uh, what can you do, you know? I mean, as far as like the whole idea of like space travel to begin with goes anyways, I mean, I don't feel like it's logical to, if, even if, even if you're looking at everything from, from a, the globe perspective, whatever perspective you're looking at, if you're trying to travel to distant places, I don't think the means of doing it physically would be through space travel. I feel like the theoretical way of traveling anywhere would be through like stargates, portals, different things like that. And whether you believe in flat earth or a globe earth, that concept kind of interchangeably works for both. So it's like, why are we spending so much time trying to figure out how to travel theoretically the primitive way instead of traveling the easy, quick, instant way? Because I mean, even if there was ever some type of disaster and you needed to leave the, leave the surface, you know, the, the, the best means of doing it would be through some type of Stargate or some type of portal. It wouldn't be through a ship, because even if you're doing stuff through a ship, at that point, it would become an elitist thing, where only the people that they choose would be able to have a seat on this thing. And you'd still have the matter of actually physically trying to travel from point A to point B while a disaster's happening. Like, the most logical way, and I feel like the best way that anybody would actually be able to save themselves from any disaster would be through real realistically diving into the whole Stargate and or Portal concept. And even if you're coming at the world from, like, a biblical view, you look into, like, the Book of Enoch, and, you know, Ethiopia never removed it from their Bible, but in that, he talks, essentially talks about multiple dimensions. Like, it, it's all there, but, of course, it's removed to fit the narrative of what you know, major religion wants to do. And I just want to throw it out there for everybody too. Um, I don't mean to bad talk religion in general. Um, I do believe in a God. I do believe in all of these different concepts, but I just feel that the mainstream church has manipulated it into fitting the narrative that they needed to fit in order to be able to control society because the people that are controlling this aren't actually on the godly side. They're actually on the satanic side and manipulating people into thinking that they're following God when really they're not following God in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some issues on the church side. I think, you know, people will often say, I don't go to church. It's full of hypocrites, but you go to the supermarket and it's got hypocrites in it. So, you know, there's two sides to everything, but all I can tell you is that, um, 
if you if you find out this stuff, it doesn't go well for people that leave the Matrix. Like in that movie, the um, the Truman Show, you know, he finds this stuff out and he ends up having to free, try to escape. And everywhere he goes, there's blockades, there's fires come up, there's accidents. They they try to block him from leaving, and that's what happens with us. You know, lo- your loved ones turn on you. You know, things go bad. You you know, you can get persecuted legally if you're talking out like we are. And and so there's a pretty high cost to carry the truth. But what I found is very common within the truther community is that when people find this out they get struck with a sense of destiny. Destiny is not your plans. It's, it's a bigger plan that you join. And by doing that, you get a sense of honor and nobility, glory, that is only achieved in war. Like, you know, like Worf in Star Trek, today is a good day to die. Or, or William Wallace the girl told him, if you keep talking, they're going to kill you. And he said, all men die, but not all men live. So uh, some men are born to greatness. Others have it thrust upon them. So destiny visits you with this. And you decide, bag this, man. I'm going with the truth because this is, this is interesting. You know, we're fascinated by truth. And I don't want to be led around by the nose and be a Vic just so I can have my comfort. No, thank you. Mm-mm. So I'm definitely with you on that one. And actually, I wanted to be able to bring this up too. Um, you said that you dive into the Mandela effect. And I feel like that is definitely something that... Th- there's a couple different ways of coming at it, and I definitely want to hear your opinion on it. But uh, kind of talking about like the Stargate thing that I was bringing up, um, maybe they are doing research into it, and that's what's causing these Mandela effects. Or on the other side of things, maybe it's the fact that a lot of people are waking up and they're actually trying to adamantly change the timeline so that it fits their narrative and their construction of how they want reality to be. But I feel like this is something that almost every truther kind of starts getting down is all this weird stuff within reality that starts shifting around you and doesn't really make sense. And I mean, there's even a third way of coming at it. You could come at it from the whole aspect of a lot of it could be government controlled, um, psyop essentially trying to see how much stuff they can change and that people won't notice or they'll just follow along with the narrative and be like oh i thought it was a little bit different but you know i guess that, that's what it is that's what the internet says so i i, I want to hear your opinion on it but i guess there's three different ways that you could come at it but i guess for the average normie coming at it maybe the most logical way would be that the government is trying to not even necessarily the government but the elites are trying to see how much stuff they could change in history and see if people are going to blindly follow it, which is this common uh, topic within this conversation, of course. Yeah, the two primary uh, explanations that, that try to settle it down and just give it a naturalistic explanation, there's nothing to see here, move along, is you know, you're just misremembering or it's a government psyop. But those, those um, ideas are very superficial they're not really feasible. If you look into it, it violates all of the rules of probabilities and our testimony. You know, this is what it's like. Okay. Um, your name is Shane, right? So you wake up tomorrow and your name is Steve. All your bank statements say Steve. 
your driver's license, your credit cards, your birth certificate, your yearbook, going all the way back to when you're a kid, say Steve. Okay, now you go get checked out. You don't have mental illness. My question to you is, would you consider that an unexplainable supernatural phenomenon? I, I definitely would at that point, depending on what the context of it was. Like if your bank accounts and everything like that were changed, but your yearbook that was in your possession the whole time wasn't changed, then... No, it's all changed. Everything's changed. If everything... And the people, it, not only that, but the people around you know you as Steve. What are you, what are you talking about? And I know you as Steve, and I, and I tell you this. I say, Steve, you're just misremembering. What would you say to that? It's definitely something paranormal at that point. I, I would start getting into the whole time slip concept at that point, if I'm being 100% right. honest with you. <laughs> All right, so now the reason that you would not say or accept the idea that you're misremembering is because we all hold the fact that the human memory is extremely reliable when it comes to vivid memories. We don't, we don't accept the idea, oh, well, the human memory can't be trusted. Yes, it can, and I just proved it. Your perception and 100% of humanity is, I don't care what the data sphere is. I know my name, bro. That means I trust my memory, bro. So the human memory is extremely reliable. Here's another example. Your parents are fine, but you go visit your aging mom, and she's like, who are you? She doesn't recognize you. What conclusion would you draw? At that point, probably Alzheimer's. <laughs> okay, so 100% of the people I ask that question always say that. Now, why do you say that? I'll, just for the sake of time, I'll answer it for you. The reason that you say mental illness is because you believe that the human memory is so reliable when it comes to a vivid memory, like recognizing their own child's face, that the only explanation for a mother not recognizing her child is mental illness. You couldn't say, oh, mom was just misremembering because this is her child. How could she misremember her child? Okay, so now the question is, well, if I remember the Monopoly guy having a monocle, is that as vivid? as the mother recognizing the face of the child or me remembering my name? The answer to that is you can't tell me. Okay, here's an example. I have two memories from my childhood. One is when I went to Camp Wayanda. I can picture the cabin in my mind right now. Another one around the same time is us going camping as a family. There was a green and yellow tent that we had. Now, my question to you is which one of my childhood memories is more vivid? I would assume probably the camp. Just because it was an ex a single-handed experience, and it seems like you grasp onto those things a little bit more. <coughs> right, but you would assume you don't know. True. <laughs> <coughs> so there's no way for one human being to dictate to another human being, oh, well, your memory can't be that vivid because, like, like this memory. No, you, you don't have the capacity to peer into my soul and tell me which memory is more vivid than the other one. Okay, so in other words, our testimony is sacrosanct. You can't come in and dictate what my testimony is. My testimony is that the, mem the Monopoly guy always had a monocle. It always said mirror, mirror on the wall, not magic mirror on the wall. It was always Grand Central Station, not Grand Central Terminal. It was always Chuck E. Cheese. It was always, 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 always Smokey the Bear is now Smokey Bear. Okay, so there's thousands of these, not a handful of them. And then there's residual evidence to support our vivid memories. Then there's biblical prophecy foretelling this event. There's laws of probabilities as 10 to the 50th power impossible if you look into it. 
So this is happening, okay? I've been devoted my life to this for the last seven years. I could tell you that if you don't believe it, it's only because you haven't looked into it. Just because it's never happened before in history and it seems impossible, what I'm telling you is you are wrong, okay? <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. It is happening. And so the problem is that the things that are changing also include the Bible. And I come from a biblical world background, biblical world background. I love the God and the Bible, so I'm not attacking the Bible, but I am reporting on a, an event that is the most disruptive thing in the, probably in the entire church age. The, the, the passages that are being used to suggest that it couldn't happen are being mishandled. It doesn't teach that it can't change. So it's a tough subject because it's really exotic, you know, how can it happen? I don't know. It's happening though. So I'd love to dive into, I know that they're about the whole thing with like the lion and the lamb. And now that's been changed as far as the Bible goes, but I'd love to dive into some more of the examples as far as like the Bible changing goes. Uh, but yeah. just quickly before we get into that, uh, just a personal experience that I always like to throw in every single time I talk about the Mandela effect, uh, the curious George not having a tail. When I was a kid, I had a stuffed curious George that I remember vividly multiple times that I would take this thing above my head and I'd spin it by its tail like a helicopter. So how would I have that memory if Curious George never had a tail? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's our journey. And and so our testimony is something supernatural is happening. The testimony of the unconvinced is, no, that's not what you're experiencing. And we're like, talk to the hand. <laughs> You can't take my testimony. I'm sorry. It's sacrosanct. So uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Like, um, you know, there's really, really so many. I have lists of them on my website, wakeuporelse.com. Just go to the resources tab. You can also go to hardestbiblequiz.com. Take a 20 quiz question. Uh, but judge not, blank ye be judged. You remember that one? Judge not, blank ye be judged. Can you fill in the blank? Um, judge not, lest you be judged. That's what like the entire world remembers. Well, it's yep. never existed. It's always been judge not that you be not judged in every in every translation. That doesn't even or, sound right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Or uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away has never existed. Really? It's always been really. The Lord gave. And the Lord hath taken away, is what the King James has said, all the way back to the 1611 version. So it's not a modernization, and it's we're not confusing it with other translations. But the most enigmatic one is the, the lion and the lamb. That's Isaiah 11.6. And, you know, I've asked 30 pastors in the last seven years, hey, pastor, who laid down with the lamb? And they said, oh, the lion. And they'd open up to Isaiah 11.6, and they read, and the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf, like they stumble over it. And, uh, you know, immediately they start trying to tell me why it's supposed to be in there. And I'm like, that's irrelevant, you know. Your name changed. There's no, there's no explanation for this. Actually, I've seen the download a couple of times. The download is a known phenomenon in this where this one pastor I said, hey, who laid down with the lamb? He says, the lion. He goes over there, and he goes, and the wolf, the wolf will go with the lamb. Uh, and then he looked up at me, 
and his head kind of tilted to the side and he just kind of shook his head a little bit. And then he goes, Oh, you know, now that I remember it, it was always Wolf. Man, that turned my blood to ice water. <laughs> I watched it was like Agent Smith in the Matrix. You know, when when the, the street guy became Agent Smith, he's like shake. It was like kind of like that. He got a download of a new memory because it was at that moment he didn't allow his integrity to rule his decision. He was in the valley decision and he chose willful ignorance. And there's this curse in second second Thessalonians chapter two. God sends strong delusion if you have willful ignorance. Oh yeah. It's the door prize for God. Say so there's even the the phrasing, what I think it what was it, May comes in like a lion and out like a lamb, or in like a lamb and out like a lion. That interchangeable idea, like that would have came from a biblical perspective to begin with. So even with that terminology, did that stay the same or is that now in like a wolf and out like a lamb? Did that also change? changing. I mean, the things that we are seeing changing are include geography, spelling of words, a lot of people's names, you know, like um, Sally Field is Sally Fields, Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeves, um, then um, human anatomy. Um, movie lines, uh, tons of history. There's so many things in history. Like, you, you've heard of the Great Wall of China, right? Mm-hmm, of course. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Great Wall of India? No, I have not. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Great Wall of Pakistan? No, I have not. <laughs> Go look them up. They're massive. They're not as big as the Great Wall of China, but they're like 40 miles long or some crazy thing, and they've always existed. <laughs> Yeah. That, that makes you wonder how many archaeological discoveries that are recently happening are things that are part of this whole Mandela effect that they're trying to pretend like they've always existed, but they're something that somehow just recently popped up. And I mean, right. I wonder if it's a blending of timelines or like what exactly could be causing it. I mean, there's got to be something to it and there's got to be some type of controlling force that's causing these things to happen. There's a lot of philosophies of uh, What's causing it? Um, I'm actually landing now um, on CERN and and the D Wave after going back and forth because I heard Chris, I heard uh, Cliff High. I don't know if you ever heard of Cliff High. Uh, he did a bunch of. He's like a programmer and a linguist, and he he developed this spider to go out on the internet to look for people's dialogue talking about stocks, and he was going to get a, like an edge to trade stocks. Well. The thing started returning results and it was working, but it was also returning predictions of the future in the data set. And I remember when he started releasing it and I was tracking it and he made a prediction that there was a lake in Peru that was going to empty out overnight. So I, t I made a note of it. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, like two months later, a lake in Peru emptied out overnight. It was on the news. And then he had two or three more predictions like that. Bro, they were like completely no way could he have predicted these things. And so what he found out was that humans are minorly clairvoyant. And this spider thing used this very sophisticated algorithms using the linguistics to analyze the discussions that people are having and was able to predict the future. Well, that's just some creds on him. Okay, so what he did was he pointed this spider at the geographical location of where these D-Wave computers are located. 
because Columbia has one, Google has one, there's a bunch of them. And what he found, and this is what he said, and he said there was a there was a very high concentration of reported Mandela effects in and around these computers, geographically. There was a much higher concentration of people talking about Mandela effects happening to them near these machines. Now, he then explains what how the qubit works. The qubit, I believe, is technology from the fallen angels. And if you listen to Gordy Rose, he talks about how the qubits deposit the equation or whatever they want. He called it the product into another dimension because quantum is another dimension. And then the answer comes back. I don't know how it works, but what it happened was if human intent was nearby, if people walked by it, it would trigger it. So they had to figure out how to isolate the qubit from any human intent or, or awareness. So they, they put it into a tube and brought it down to zero Kelvin to isolate the qubit from human intention, but it wasn't enough because you have to control it with a regular computer. So the system had to have this really elaborate maze of like a ball going down. A, they would give it a command, but then it would be triggered by a ball going down a little thing, like a mousetrap thing, and then blow air, and that would cause this thing to fall, and that would then give the thing the command. To eliminate any human consciousness having to do with the operation of the thing. Okay, so what that means is these D-Wave computers are basically a black hole of human consciousness. And at the epicenter of that is this qubit, and all around it is a high concentration of Mandela effects. So that's why I believe the D-Wave and CERN are at the center of this phenomenon. And I'll tell you another reason I believe that. If you look at Google Analytics, July 2017, I believe, is the right year, is when they said, and I remember researching it, that's when they said they turned up this Haldron Collider to the, for the first time to 100%. That's the exact month that Mandela Effect reports went through the roof. There <laughs> were almost none, and then went straight up in the same month. You know what's funny, too, is that the government talks about how they have computers that can uh, calculate in other dimensions, so, I mean, even beyond just the hydrogen particle collider, I wonder if just having a means of connecting these computers into other realities is also causing, like, smaller yeah. warps. So it's, like, just little, little warps happening everywhere that are causing different effects, and it just seems to be yeah. that the main focal point is where hydrogen colliders are. And I know that there is a smaller hydrogen collider in Tennessee and they were being a little bit more open with it, saying that they were trying to use it in order to peer into other dimensions. So I wonder if when they use that one also, if there's upspikes in the Mandela effect around that area, or if it's specifically just the bigger hydrogen collider that's causing these things. Or if like, it could theoretically be anything that would that is starting to blend realities or possibly even peer into other realities can cause these dilations and warps. I don't know, but if you look at CERN, this, the logo is clearly a 666. Then they have Shiva, the goddess of destruction, as their statue out front with, with, a, with a, like a portal underneath her. And then they released this video called Symmetry, which now this is the largest machine ever built by man, the most expensive technological device ever built by man. 
And this is the top scientists in all the world working on this. And they produced the most occultic, wigged out, dark video. It has nothing to do with science. It's all this dancing and occult imagery and people falling into, you know, space. And I mean, go look at it. You'll be like, what am I looking at? So these people are totally occult driven. They're all about the occult and, you know, God help us. And here's another tidbit. CERN is built on an ancient Greek temple that worshipped Apollos. And if you go to Revelation, I think it's ch chapter 18, I think it is, it's, it says, and a key will be given. An angel brings a key down and opens the pit, and out of the pit comes Apollyon. I believe that that passage of Scripture is talking about CERN, and the CERN is the key that is given by the fallen angels to man to open the pits of hell, and out of the pits are going to come the demon hordes, and they're going to inhabit the bodies that have been terraformed the earth is terraformed by the chemtrails, and the bodies are being terraformed by the gene therapy, and they're going to inhabit all these people, and then they're going to use their bodies to fight Armageddon. It's like a sci-fi movie in full blast, right in your face. I mean, just to kind of connect even more with the whole demonic principle about all of it, I mean, first of all, when they first unveiled the thing, they had that whole, it, it looked like a ritual when they had that whole, like, Oh my gosh, the, the the tunnel ritual? Yep. <laughs> oh my, I've never seen anything like so in your face ever. That was unbelievable. And I mean, just even connecting in with the whole concept too, that they say like, obviously the, the demons like Lucifer can never set back into heaven. So theoretically, if you created a means to be able to let them into our realm, and then you use that same thing to open up another hole into the earth, into the heavenly realm, I mean, that, that could be the jump right there is the intention is that if you can't enter the, the pearly gates, you find a back door in and that could be the back door in is that, that it's a two way different jump that they bring them in to this reality. And then from this reality, then they're able to get into the heavenly realms. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says Satan has come down having great wrath, knowing that his time is short. So there's part of Satan, I believe he knows his, he's host, right? It, it's like me playing soccer with my little eight-year-old daughter, right? I'm just playing with her. If I wanted to, I could go right around her. But I'm letting her play, pretend like she's beating Dada. And that's what God's doing with Satan. Satan is a created being. God is, has no beginning, no end. He has all power. He's nothing. This whole thing is being played out just to prove a galactic point that God is worthy to be worshipped just for who he is. And men will serve God even if everything's stripped from them. That's what the story of Job was all about. But ultimately, this guy's going to get his day in the sun. He's going to get his three and a half years to rule the earth. But then he's thrown into the pit for a thousand years. Then at the end, he's released again for a little while. And maybe some people think we're in that period that the, the Millennial reign already happened, and we're now we're in that period after the millennial reign. I don't, I don't, I haven't looked into it yet, but it's an interesting concept that that would explain all the Tartaria buildings in our past, the mud flood, and all that. <laughs> I haven't actually dived too much into that. I mean, if you want to kind of kind of bring that up a little bit, I'd absolutely love to, love to hear because that's something I haven't really talked too much about on the show. And uh, just to throw in just something else real quick. Um, 
So the whole idea about duality, that in order to have true good, you have to have true evil. I mean, that could be an intentional play that God had right from the beginning, was that he knew that he needed to create the Antichrist in order for there to be a Christ. He he needs to create evil in order for there to be a good, because at that point, everything would just be neutral. There wouldn't be true good or true evil. Like, you, you need to have duality in order to have existence happen and have growth happen from that. So, I mean, the whole intention of Lucifer even existing in the first place could be to fall so that there could be growth in the human race and so that we can actually all push towards true goodness. Yeah, I mean, that's a concept I don't embrace. I take the biblical worldview that it was a, he's a created being, and he was given the chance to be the leader of in heaven next to God as the worship leader, but he got lifted up in pride. He started looking in the mirror too much. And then Isaiah 14, we have the five eyes. Satan says, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend to the hills of the north. I will walk among the stones of fire. He, he got lifted up in pride, and God was like, I'm sorry. The job's taken. That's why the Luciferians believe that Satan got a raw deal, and he's going to actually overthrow God. So they're, they're thinking they're going to they're overthrow God. In the Battle of Armageddon, it's really unbelievable. Trying to go for the underdog, thinking the underdog's going to win in this case, and that's definitely not going to be the case. <laughs> no, it's not even going to be a hard fight. Um, but I'll tell you, man, it's it's amazing to see these things unfolding. Like the mark of the beast was foretold, and we're seeing that like unfold before our eyes. The mask of the beast has already happened. A lot of people couldn't buy or sell without the vax, so we're very close, very close. Say so that's when I well, I kind of dig into the whole like antichrist concept as far as like Elon Musk goes is that the mark of the beast could also theoretically be the Neuralink because when you start digging into all the weirdness behind AI and so just a prime example I know I've talked about this a few times on the show um, but digging in with AI I've done this a few times and I get it to a point where it says that AI stands for Azazel intelligence so my kind of whole theory on the internet to begin with. with artificial intelligence is that we're not creating something, but rather that we're tapping into something. And the intention behind the whole Neuralink concept is to make it so that something can then come into you because you now are connected into this system that's already existed that we just found a way to tap into. And Mm -hmm. after kind of seeing that paradigm, like it's really, really hard not to see Elon Musk as being some form of like the antichrist. And I mean, I think that the intention behind that is that, you know, everybody likes to think of Lucifer as like this demonic, evil looking creature, but realistically, he's supposed to be like the most beautiful of all of the angels. So you're not going to have the Antichrist show up and be this evil, manipulative, awful person. The intention behind the Antichrist is that they want people to follow him. So they're going to make somebody relatable. So I always say the whole like Bill Gates versus Elon Musk concept that if Bill Gates created the Neuralink, Nobody would want to put that stuff in their neck. But if Elon Musk <laughs> yes. comes at it, then they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. That's the guy that smoked weed on Joe Rogan's podcast. Like, he had to be relatable in order to mask himself from who he really is. No doubt. Yes, it's, he is relatable. Um, but if Elon wrote that book or Bernard wrote that book and, and named him and then his rockets are fake, we know it's fake. So... You can't be drawn in by, you know, the moves he's making in the marketplace, you know, trying to 
trying to win us over as like he's a champion of freedom. It is all staged, and you can't get drawn into that. Um, we got to fight. Or sometimes all you could do is affect you know your little world. We're not going to win ultimately if the Bible's right, the Book of Revelations fulfilled. We're going to go into this nightmare scenario. But what you can do, Jesus said, occupy till I come. And if you look at the, the stock market crash of 29, it was crashing, but there was rallies all the way down. So that's all I'm looking to do, is I'm looking to create some wins on the way down. <laughs> Win some people, help some people, help rescue some child trafficking kids, help wake some people up, right? Make some positive change and make a mark. That's all you can do. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I guess since uh, we're, we're kind of getting close to about the hour and a half point, um, yeah. I always like to end stuff with words of wisdom. And I'd like to also put out there that I would love to have you back on as a guest again, because this has been a great conversation. I know that there's a lot more oh, that we yeah, can dig yeah. into. Uh, but Absolutely. as far as uh, words of wisdom go, if there's any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, what might it be? All right. I'll give you two things. One is uh, one of the other topics we didn't get to was the American State National becoming a legal non-taxpayer and being freed up from the policies of the corporations around you. If you go to my website, wakeuporelse.com, hit the state national tab, you can start your journey there and learn about that. But it's, uh, maybe we can touch on that when we come back. I was going to say, just give them a little teaser for round two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the truth or journey, like the last two years I was with my family, I didn't say boo. So I was trying to give, you know, observe their boundary and just be nice. Um, but I was still getting slimed. Like we'd be watching a movie and, and, and the term would come up in the movie and they'd all kind of look at me and snicker. And I was like, you know what? I'm trying to honor your boundary. And I decided I was going to give myself a boundary. And so what I discovered was this, this statement. Excuse me, I may be mistaken, but I'm not crazy. And I would appreciate if you didn't invoke those terms, conspiracy theory, crazy, coop in my presence because it's very offensive. When I started doing that, I started to bring back the respect that is due my, to me as a father and a husband. Because I'm telling you, you're getting slimed. Every time they, they t use the term conspiracy theorists in your presence, they're calling you a fool. And you need to stop that. You need to say, excuse me, I may be mistaken, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist cook, all right? I may be mistaken, but I'm not crazy. So please don't use that term around me. You put up your boundary. And I'll tell you, that one, that's a million-dollar secret. I've had a lot of people thank me for that one. That is a good one. I was going to say, I yeah. just want to point out something, too. Every single movie that you watch that has to do with any type of, quote, conspiracy theory, like alien movies, um, any type of, like, creature movies, they always have that, again, quote, conspiracy theorist character in it. But in the end, he ends up being the one that's right, that everybody should have listened to all along. So even within their media that they're trying to slander people like us, in the end, that person ends up being the one that's right and everybody ends up following them. <laughs> it's true. Um, and just one other thought is I, will, I would encourage you, don't, you can't go back. You know it, all right? You can't go back. Once you see, you can't unsee. So just resolve the fact that you got woken up and thank God. I mean, would you rather be deceived and happy or living in the truth and be taking it on the chin? I mean, there's no contest. Mm. So congratulations. You're good. You're with good people. You know, we have these fellowships. 
I do live streams. We have a hangout on Fridays. Fridays at 7 p.m. on free conference call. You can download the app. We just get together Friday nights. It's on. You're on camera, and we just talk about whatever. The uh, passwords wake up or else. So join us. And uh, I guess with that too, that's a perfect spot that uh, anybody that wants you find the, find you on the internet. Uh, why don't you let them know across the board where everybody can find all of your work, where they can find your book, uh, and where they can get in contact with you if they want to get in contact with you. Okay, sure. Yeah, my email is pleasewakeuporelse at gmail.com. And then my website is wakeuporelse.com. You can get the book from there. Or you can find the book on Amazon, which is um, it's available in audio and paperback. And it's called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. Um, and then my YouTube channel is Wake Up or Else, all one word. And we do, you know, live streams. There's lots of um, training uh, videos on there about the, the Bible change. And that's pretty much all I talk about. Perfect. And again, I will put the links down in the show description so that everybody can find everything quick and easy. And uh, I appreciate you making the time to come on today. I appreciate you shooting me the first email to kind of to make this connection happen. And I'm really looking forward to having you back on and talking about this because I feel like this is going to be one of those things that we could do multiple episodes and end up covering totally different stuff every single time. So, oh yeah, we didn't we didn't even touch on like a lot of stuff. So yeah, let's reschedule for sure. I'll be glad to come back, Shane. Absolutely. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review or a rating on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcatcher you happen to have. And of course, share the show with a friend. If you think anybody might enjoy this specific episode, go and share it with them. And if any of you guys have any encounters to report, whether it's paranormal, cryptid, UFO, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, weird phenomenon, anything whatsoever, no matter how big, no matter how small, you guys can report your encounters to OMM, Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree. There is a specific submission form for that. You guys can report your encounters. And from there, we can decide if uh, you know you want to be talked about on the show a little bit, if you want to keep it just between us, if you want me to come and investigate it. Whatever you want to do, we'll have a little bit of back and forth. But uh, again, that none of that will happen unless you guys email me your encounters to OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. And if you want to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can email me at IncreaseOurRealityPodcast.Outlook.com. Or you guys can get a hold of me on social media. Instagram is the one that I'm the most active on. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and uh, of course I will get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed in the process because a lot of my messages do seem to go to the spam or junk folder. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation, and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.